Hello. Hello. Welcome to Rum Doings, episode 121, or as an American would call it, 121. 121. No, exactly wrong, John. They would say 121. They would like say the... that too, and they would also say 121. Um, but they would say also say, like they say 2012, which is way better than 2012, which is clumsy. Yeah, but on the other hand, they narrowly almost voted in a madman. No, I know you must be very disappointed that Mitt Romney has won the election, as you predicted. Yeah, well, I didn't predict it. I, no, let's be careful. Let's be very careful. I actually, no, John, mm-hmm. and we can rewind several episodes. <laughs> because if you remember, I said, I, I think that um, Obama's going to win it. Yeah. And you said, that's unusual because usually you play yes. the pessimist. <clears throat> but I'm talking, uh, I'm talking about our instant message conversation when I mentioned cheating. And you said, oh, that's it. Romney's going to win then. No, no, you're wrong. I was just, I was just making you feel better. <laughs> the topic today is should Philip Schofield be in charge of all courts? Yes, in charge of the entire law, in fact. Yes. The, we have reverted to using a distant method of communication between one another because John was too lazy to come down to London. Not only that, we haven't recorded <laughs> I guess, two no, weeks. no, Nick. You, it's been your turn. You haven't come to Bath for, I think, literally five months, maybe? Well, can you blame me? Yes, and I am now. Blame, blame, blame. The, the United Kingdom is where it, it, it is constituted of London, and that's pretty much it. Everywhere else is just like a little storeroom or a little rummagey back passage. I don't need to go there. You, on the other hand, need to come in to London more frequently. I always have to go to stupid, loud, smelly London. Where you refuse to meet me. I don't refuse to meet you. Last time, in fact, I believe I stayed in your house just a couple of weeks ago. Well, that, people quite liked that episode. No, the it was, they where, did, didn't they? Where we were sort of, we, we got, it was very late at night. We were very tired and slightly drunk and went on for too long. We were not slightly right. drunk. We were very slightly drunk. We'd already had two sips of alcohol by then. We had sips of alcohol, that's true. Remember, we'd already had the first episode we recorded and we'd sipped and then the second alcohol lick episode we'd sipped <coughs> and by then we were completely drunk and rambling and people preferred it which is odd isn't it i like the fa- i like i like the fact that we were capable of doing that while pretty much sober so mm. you're just a drunkard so mm-hmm. um what what next for willard who's, who's willard seriously or are you just playing a game now i don't know who willard is is that romney's real name or something Oh my god, you really are rubbish. Yeah, I am. Tell me who Willard is. Mitt, Mitt Romney's real name is Willard. I did Willard. not know that. How exciting. How could you have come this far and not <laughs> known that he's called Willard Mitt Romney? I wish he'd gone by Willard. <laughs> Willard. So, so, do we think he's going to pop up anywhere? Is he going to be be in charge of his own chat show? Is he going to take over from <laughs> Piers Morgan? You know? Oh. No, what he's going to do is just go back to running his massive corporation and being enormously rich. As uh, Shmo, uh, Shmoho, the uh, uh, auto-tune the news people on, on YouTube racist. pointed yeah. out. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't understand how that's racist. Yeah. Um, they uh, they pointed out, you know, they did a little song of him singing that he's still rich. Life's a bitch, but I'm still rich. 
And um, he just goes back to being paid vast amounts of money. And as you retweeted someone pointing out, how awful would it have been to have to downgrade and move into such a pokey little house like the White House? Yes. Did the election go as you secretly predicted it would, despite your pessimism? I didn't have any pessimism. I I, I was fearful rather than pessimistic. Um, Mm. I really, I don't really have a kind of, I didn't, I wasn't being either optimistic nor pessimistic. I was just thinking, oh my goodness, if Romney wins this, that would be horrible. I really hope Obama wins. And Mm. um, yeah, but I think it was, it was pretty predictable that, you know, if you looked at the sensible predictions, the people like 538 and stuff, that it was going to go Obama's way. Mm. So Big Bird and Amtrak live another day this is true which is great because those are the things that we were genuinely fearful for wasn't it the the notion yeah. that i mean someone someone angrily pointed out to me that uh that uh npr only receives five percent of its funding from the government but i replied saying that five percent they're kind of struggling to exist as it is losing another five percent probably would be it for them yes it would no, I, I it's i think that I don't know whether this is good that Obama has won or not, in as much as, I suppose it depends what happens over the next four years. If he manages to be a little bit less scared, a little bit more brave, and achieve something in these next four years, because he doesn't have to stand for president again, yes, and it might be useful. On the other hand, if he's a bit scared, a bit rubbish, the economy goes bad, and the Republicans suddenly realise that they shouldn't be racist about Latinos, then they could really come back next time. Whereas what's good about this election is it looks like the Republicans could have screwed themselves Mm. in a fairly terminal way. Should they be racist about Latinos? I just want to check. uh, No, they wouldn't be racist about Latinas because they tend to use them as their preferred prostitute of choice. Fair enough. So, 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 you know, they... They, they wouldn't be, but Latino certainly. I mean, okay, they ha- they they think they're good gardeners, but nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that um, there's a, bizarrely it's a, quite silly referencing YouTube spoofs for my political analysis, but actually, I thought it was quite pertinent. Um, the uh, the there was a, a, a nice Peter does a thing called um, oh, Epic Rap Battles of History, and they had uh, they did one with Mitt Romney versus Obama. And they make the point where at a certain point in the, in the middle of this rap battle, uh, Abraham Lincoln jumps in and just has a go at both of them. And he shouts at Obama saying, I like you. You seem like a nice guy, but you're not doing anything. Uh, he said, I spent, uh, uh, Lincoln says, I spent my entire presidency fighting to do absolutely everything I thought that mattered to me until I got killed for it. Mm. And I thought that was a I thought that was a really interesting point that, yes, Obama is an I- idealist, but isn't really behaving like one. Well, and I wondered whether it's just because he wanted to get the second term in the bag. I, I really, I, guess I we'll love see. the idea of his just going for a, um, I'll walk the line of being impeached and get everything I can do, do done. Mm. I mean, what is he, uh, what's interesting is that's it for Obamacare and its challenges. They pretty much admitted today that it, the Republicans admitted, they said it's, it's the law of the land now and there's nothing we can do about it. Because... In over the next couple of years, the majority of its more useful um, aspects come into play. And at that point, it'll be embedded and the Republicans will not be able to remove it come next election. Similarly, if you remember that the Tories initially said that they would get rid of the minimum wage and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then it embedded and now saying that they'd get rid of the minimum wage would be otherworldly. 
Now they're saying they want to get rid of the working wage instead, or not allow the working wage. Yes, well, exactly. But notice that the minimum wage is now not even discussed anymore. Yes, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. I think... uh, and Obamacare will be the same. There'll just be arguments about what level of it should be allowed and that kind of thing. But the whole notion of uh, of it being struck off as unconstitutional and all that, well, that went out with the Supreme Court. And now the whole idea that it's going to be thrown out uh, when the Republicans come in resurgent. No, because... Yeah. Because over the next four years, people are going to start using it. So Absolutely. they lost They lost their last opportunity. And, and an, awful lot of Repub- an awful lot of Republicans are going to start using it more significantly. Well, yes. Uh, and what what else do they want, did they want to do which they aren't going to be able to do now? Well, there are some, some gay things they won't be able to do, anti-gay things. Um, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the unspoken, and well, maybe it is spoken, but the really joyful thing about that election result is just what happened around the edges. The number of states mm. that put through gay marriage, um, I don't really care about uh, marijuana legalisation a great deal, but a very liberal thing to have happened. Um, I think marijuana legalisation is more important than gay marriage. Because, doesn't go and argue that. Um, because the drug wars are killing thousands of people, have destabilised half of the continent of South America and are causing so much misery and violence that the moment that we start to bring it under control, regulating it and bringing it into the light is the moment that that nonsense stops. Now, as nice as gay marriage is, it doesn't have that same effect to millions of people's literally life, lives or deaths. I, I can see that to a degree, but then... At the same time, marijuana isn't really at the... the I, know, I understand the links, it's, but marijuana isn't really start. at the core of the drug wars. It's the start. It's okay. the start. It's a, I, I hope it's a wedge strategy. And also, because... and also the, the, uh, the, the rights for gay people to marry isn't, isn't, doesn't begin and end there either. It's also it's a significant step forward in social acceptance and tolerance, mm. which has much farther and wider implications. So, I, well, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I don't really care about the marijuana, as I say, but... Um, I like the fact that it's a really liberal move in a country that's extremely conservative. Well, what's I wonder whether the Tea Party right and the Baptist right has reached its high watermark. Oh gosh, I hope so. Because the Republican Party has two choices, as everybody's saying today. They can either realise how close to the fanatical right precipice they got and back away slowly, or they can jump. Yes. And Fox News is telling them to jump. And some more sensible voices are telling them that actually they can't go around saying they want to kill all Latinos anymore. <laughs> uh, that's not going to work uh, as a demographic strategy. So so it's interesting to see whom they'll believe. Well, it's interesting that um, the, the demographic changes of America in the next 20 years with the, with the Hispanic population is going to become really the vote decider. In, in about 20 years. Um, and America's going to go through... I mean, America is currently in, this, in the midst of this existential crisis, this divide down. That we, I don't know whether... Is it engineered by an electoral system or is the electoral system reflective of the bipolar nature of the nation? I don't know. What do you think? I think it probably is a bipolar nation. So you've at this point where the, where the Hispanic population, the Spanish, just, just the Spanish-speaking population of America becomes so significant that the country is going to become officially bilingual rather than as it is right now kind of unofficially bilingual um that where it where, you can't have a republican party in that situation so what what happens instead who becomes the alternative political party you can have a republican party in that situation what you forget 
is that this is a relatively new thing for the Republicans. George W. Bush played a, a kind of vaquero. He had quite good relations with the Latinos and the vote was going up, but it still wasn't great with him, but it was started going up. He tried a few words of Latin. He was a kind of friendly to the Latino community in Texas and that kind of thing. This is a fairly new strategy that they've got, which is probably brought about by their alliance with the Tea Party. Um, right. So I think that Southern Republicans will realize that they can't continue like this. Because if we remember... The Latino population as a whole is actually rather conservative. Catholic conservatives, they, for example, are overwhelmingly anti-abortion. Mm -hmm. um, so there is common cause if only you stop shouting at them because their skin's a little bit too brown and they're speaking a language you don't like. So you go back to Reagan's famous quote, they just don't know the Republicans yet. Well, that's the same thing that, I mean... The Republicans have always had that problem with Jews, but with Jews it's worse because there there doesn't seem to be that inherent conservatism. They are just uh, yes. problematically liberal. Um, whereas with Latinos, I think there is more of an opportunity there. I don't see any reason why you can't make conservative Catholics the basis of your vote. I don't know why, no, unless you're unless unless you're a cretin. Well, I think, but the the. The problem that you that that is left over is is this Tea Party idea, but not even the Tea Party. Um, not you know, not all Republicans are pantomime villains like Mitt Romney. They don't pretend they think these extreme opinions in order to be able to be in a position of of being a candidate. They instead do believe them. They are in they, at their core. They believe that all non-white people shouldn't you know shouldn't be in America. You have people mm. as I mean Bill. I don't. I know Bill O'Reilly is a professional troll, but yes. his comments were frightening. They were off the cuff insane comments of suggesting that this white middle-class America was being taken away from him. And that's a really mm. common thought. And a Republican party that starts to represent uh, more central uh, conservative values isn't going to rep represent a vast swathe of the South of America and the far-right um, elite. Mm. So who represents them? Do you end up with a three-party system no. and, and something borderline no. BNP-ish? No. no, you don't. I don't think you ever... Well, who represents them politi politically then? The Tea Party uh, is a frighteningly powerful movement. I realise now it may have had its day, but it's it, got its day. it got close to becoming a significant thing. But it didn't, and that was the important But the, it didn't because there was still a Republican Party in place that represented most of those views for them. Notice that all the We Love Rape people were kicked out. Yes, that was, but they were voted out rather than kicked out. It wasn't the Republicans didn't get rid of them. They still let them stand after those comments. Yeah, it's but just the people that, that's kind of how democracy works, isn't it? The Republicans yeah. will now realise that next time... Maybe they shouldn't have vote lover, uh, sorry, rape lovers as candidates. I I'd, I'd hope so, but the point is that they weren't they weren't denominated by their party for their comments. They were still supported. They they just engendered a much more vociferous vote. So by by having a person who says you know rapes God's will, that's going to bring out an awful lot more people who would never care about a local election like that to vote against them. So it's just it's just firing up the liberals rather than. I think, shaming the Republicans, the, the the Conservatives. Well, you know, I retweeted that woman who she said a, a number of things. One of the things she said was the only person weeping more about Obama's win is Jesus himself. Um, <laughs> yes. You you actually read her blog, didn't you? I, I went. To, I didn't well, I was in, I was intrigued by the notion that she was um, a former SNL cast and she was she was six really? years 86 to 92 she was on snl but she was eventually booted off the show because she infuriated everyone with her lunatic christian views i wonder whether she was the one uh, whom sorkin based his christian uh participant in studio 60 on 
Well, if so, I think he made a far more sympathetic version of the character than... Yeah, but he does that all the time, doesn't he? Yes, like he true. did with Anne Coulter and the blonde Republican yes. in West Wing. Women women can't be bad. That's very much it. Women are not allowed to be bad. And they yeah. have to be feisty, clever, but always very principled. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, perhaps. But she, yeah, so she, it seems that I, she... I didn't realise she'd been on SNL. That's I know. crazy. And now, and now she's this kind of sad... You know, her, her book she published this year was How I Went From SNL to the Tea Party. And she does this online show in which she it's just, you know, exactly what you'd imagine it was. Nasty, reactionary, bigoted crap uh, done in the guise of some sort of Christianity. What brand of Christianity is she? Baptist or does she have her own sect? I mean, what is it? I don't know. It's, it's Tea Party Christianity, which I think which is just, you know, an excuse for hate. Hmm. Gosh. Because I didn't actually look at it. That, that is surprising that she was on SNL because it mm. is such a peculiar... You must have done a double take when you first saw Very much so, which is why I looked into it. I read her Wikipedia page and she it seems that she grew up in... I think she grew up somewhere in the Deep South and she had a very conservative family. They had no TV in their house and so on. Um, and But she came out of this and, and eventually became a comedian, did stand-up and so forth. But all the time maintaining this kind of uh, very strong... Um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Thingy. A thingy faith. A thingy faith, yes. Orthodox. That's a, that's a very term. orthodox Christianity, I think. How does she manage to keep it compatible with those liberal uh, Hollywood heathens? Well, indeed, and especially in 1980, especially in 80s SNL, when I think everyone was snorting coke off everyone. and mm. Yeah. Well, obviously she didn't. She was disgusted. And left. Well, her proselytising seems to be what got her out in the end, so... Right. She she lasted six years on the show. She came in the year after when Law Michaels fired pretty much everyone from the show in eighty five. It was probably probably tokenism. <laughs> Token in what sense? Tokenism. Well, in the eighties, especially, and they said, "Oh, we'll just get any woman who claims to be a comedian. That's fine. We've ticked the box." No, I don't think that's true at all. I mean, they've always had really fantastically strong female comics on SNL. It's one of the weird things. I mean, for a show that is has a hit, such a low hit rate for for sketches. Um, it's always had an incredible female cast. I mean, it's where most great female comedians have gone through. Oh, talking about tokenism and white knightery, uh-huh. um, it's been long enough now that we can have a fairly calm discussion about the big hoo-ha that happened in the gaming in uh, journalism world. And we um, haven't recorded since that, in fact. No, but basically <coughs> uh, everybody's read about it, everybody's battered back and forth, but let's take the two weeks later mused opinion okay. see where, where where are you with this now um i think what's interesting well now maybe is we should of... sum it up for some people sum it up in a sentence first just in case somebody hasn't read about it it's possible that there are people who aren't gamers who <laughs> listen to this it's, it's vaguely possible um yeah. there was a large fuss because uh, a number of games journalists uh, ethics were called into question which led to all games journalists ethics being called into question and a big crisis amongst games journalists and the uh, nexus of this was themselves. yeah. And the nexus of this was somebody wrote an article um, in which they quoted uh, uh, another journalist who had said things which seemed questionable, but quoted them. Well, she was defending uh, a very questionable act. Yeah, she was defending a questionable act. Quoted her. Then she and all the publishers that represented her contacted the 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 site in which this article was written and threatened them legally the quotes were pulled and that's where it all began and the streisand effect came into force yeah. let's t- let's say what no one else is pointing out laura wainwright who is the journalist who uh, did the threatening works... she's only a young naive little girl as john little walker says yeah. she works 25 years old she yes but she's young in the industry and 25 is not exactly very old jonathan you were 17 when you started 
<laughs> I wasn't actually, I was 21. When you were a little rent boy on the gaming streets, uh-huh. pimping your pert bottom, you were 17 years old. A pert bottom pimp for a half-page review. Yes. I, I started when I was 21 to disappoint you, but... Um, you were 17, you weren't 21, you just... Put that out. Put put those put those first four years of, of misery on the streets out of your mind. Okay, well that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it does explain how I went straight to PC gamer without having to go up the ranks. That makes sort of more sense to me exactly. now. Exactly. Okay. There you go. So she um she works for a company called MC- a magazine, an internal magazine called MCV. It's a industry rag, so it reports on the industry to the industry. Yes. Um, it's owned by a company called Intent Media. Intent Media also own and run the Games Media Awards, which was the core of the question. You know, the, the things being questioned. So you've, this connection is not being discussed very widely, and is very important. It all centres around one company. She works for them. The GMAs are run by them. All the questionable acts focused on this one point. So there's one cancerous growth in the middle of the gaming community. Well, no, there are many cancerous growths in the gaming community, but this, um, but uh, Intent Media did seem to, are, are the people who run the GMAs, which I have long campaigned against and also employed employ Laura Wainwright. And very significantly, even after all this fuss, the core, the the big thing that fell down for her was that she um, uh, she had boasted of being a consultant for Square Enix, which was... Hold on, John, let, let, me just, let me just interrupt you there for yeah. a moment, because you said you've long campaigned against the the, the GMAs, the, GMAs. Game, the Game Media Award. What? Yep. Um, I think the only reason you've campaigned against them is you're so bitter it's you've never bitter. been nominated for one. I've won two of the bloody things. Oh really? And you went up and you went up and with your little glass of wine and little 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 tear in your eye and thanked thanked all your industry colleagues so much for nominating you. Yes, I did not know. What I've never been and I've never attended the GMAs. Um, my colleagues have and have collected awards, unfortunately, but um, I haven't. No, sorry, I, I beg your pardon. I've actually decided not to call people like that whores anymore because it's disrespectful to sex workers. Okay, I'm not even. I'm, I'm being only slightly sarcastic there. Actually, <laughs> but there you go. So anyway, so uh, uh, Jim A's, um what was I saying? Wayne, so Wainwright got in trouble. For consultant. She, consultant for a Square Enix, which was a ridiculously overblown version of thing. She wrote some internal reviews for them, which is a whole other matter. Um, so she had done this and then she'd been reviewing Square Enix games at the same time or shortly afterward or whatever. And so people were pointing out that this seemed problematic. Um, what's Whether it is or not, who cares? What's really but, 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 but let's Let's just make a ruling. It is. And in uh, any serious journalistic environment, with uh, there wouldn't even be a with, question about without that. Dis- without disclosure, it's a problem. With disclosure, I don't think it would be. But she, uh, the, the, what's so fascinating about this is, is MCV, the week after this thing was, while this thing was still absolutely peaking, published her writing a three-page glowing review of a new Square Enix game. Idiots. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Well, uh, so you do that shows that they are massively arrogant yeah. To the depths of hubris, actually. It's not just arrogance anymore, that's hubris. And interestingly, a game that's not really reviewing that brilliantly. Gosh, what a coincidence. Well, I'm just going to check on that. So I'm going to tippy-tap type Okay. Uh, for a moment. But that's almost irrelevant. I mean, what's interesting is the reactions of the various sides of... The argument, and that it seems that some of your industry stalwarts were sort of saying, "Oh, stop making such a fuss! It's yeah. fine. It's only a storm in a thimble, and all that sort of thing." I need to, I need to make a correction. It's not a review; it's a preview, a glowing preview of Hitman. The game hasn't. Same be... thing, as you no, know, no, no, I no, don't no, no, care. No, 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 it's not the same thing because the game, the reviews aren't out yet, so I don't know how it's reviewing. I don't care, John. 
You've always I tried to justify your own corruption I by made an inaccurate, rather than reviews. I made an inaccurate statement and I am correcting it. The review, I think the review embargo is next week. Right. And it'll be reviewed very badly. No, but, I don't. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. There's a good chance it will review well because it's a, the, the Hitman games have in the past been very good and it's the same team making them. So there's a good chance it will review well. I don't know. It just seems it just seems poorly timed for me to write a glowing pre to have published a glowing preview by the person who's uh, a Square Enix based. Are you making an accusation there? Do you do you want her to come and sue Rum Doings Incorporated as well? I'm not suggesting she's done anything corrupt. She, I, I have am. not played this game, and it I may think she's well, a hideous, corrupt harridan. It may well deserve what she wrote about it. I am questioning the wisdom of of publishing her writing about a game in the middle of this massive storm. I think she doesn't have. The scintilla of a scintilla of a scintilla of any moral compass in her, and she's a hideously corrupt, evil woman <laughs> who probably, who probably teamed up with Jimmy Savile while he was alive, okay, to fiddle with kids. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, That's well, I'm, I'm not saying. saying that. I'm suggesting that she's had, she has she has she has actually apologised for uh, the attempt to, for the legal threats. No, she hasn't. She has, and no, and she that's. Hasn't. And that's great. I'm really she glad she's She has not stopped saying that she has. She has not apologised. She's quoted in a Kotaku article apologising. And I'm she really hasn't. delighted that she has done that. But she hasn't, though. Okay. <laughs> in my reality, that she has. But in yours, she hasn't. Well, in your reality, which is basically printing statements by PR companies and pretending they're hers because they realise it's the right thing to do to stop the story, maybe. But she hasn't apologised to anybody and she doesn't mean any apology. That's a strange accusation. It's very clearly written by her. And, and uh, what, what do you mean? It's illiterate. <laughs> she's not illiterate. She's a she is. Capable. I've read she some isn't. of her writing. She is a terrible writer. She's but not... again, because she's a woman, all you lascivious gaming boys give her license. I've, she is I've, a terrible writer. Jonathan. I've read some of her writing. I've not found any of it to be terrible. I've not found any of it to be particularly great. What do you think of page three? In the sun? Yes. Uh, I think it's sad. Why? Because it just seems it just seems a weird thing for to have in a newspaper a, a pair of boobies on page three it just strikes me as just odd. It seems anachronistic and peculiar. Are you going to have you joined the campaign to ban it yet? No, I haven't. I don't think there's any reason to ban it. If people want to see a pair of boobies in the newspaper, they're very entitled to. And if the lady is willingly and without uh, uh, being forced to show her boobies, then she's entitled to show them. What but was I can quite... still find it disappointing that it happens. The, you see, the campaign has drawn me to defend page three merely because whenever I see uh, tambourine banging Puritans, I have to uh, go to the other side, even if I find it distasteful. Do you and need I, to go to the other side, or can yes. you just make it take a sensible, intelligent adult position in the I middle? think I think you actually have to stand with the other side. Everything even... has to be Hegelian dialectic. Yeah, I think you have to. And, and in this case... Uh, I, 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 well, here's, here's what happened. There was this whole tambourine banging thing going on, this very weird coalition between, um, fundamentalist Christians and a certain brand of feminism, uh, to try and, well, here's the peculiar thing. They pretend that they're not trying to ban it, but they are. But what they then say that they're actually doing is they're saying, dear editor, we have never bought the sun and never will. Yes. And we're demanding you remove this from page three. You're sincerely enraged from uh, Hemel Hempstead or whatever, which, <laughs> again, that doesn't seem to be a very effective campaign. What they're actually doing is they're saying they're going to boycott Tesco and Sainsbury's and whoever carries the newspaper until they remove page three. So it is it is a bullying thing. That, um, that is just straight bullying and, and just bizarre. I mean, I'm now, sure you could find a reason to boycott Tesco, but it's not that yes, one. Quite. And, and indeed... 
I've uh, Victoria and I were discussing it, and we realised that page three is probably one of the least offensive things in the sum. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, and what was interesting is she she is currently doing a, a birth and beyond course to become a an NCT counsellor, mm-hmm. and she had all the ladies yesterday uh, at, at the college, and they had a number. They they're, they're looking at images of women in newspapers and magazines and so on, and and also you know discussing uh, you know problems with breastfeeding and so on and you know images of breasts and you know the rest of it you can imagine what these ladies talk about yeah sure sure and they had there happened to be a copy of the sun in the room i'm not sure why it was there uh, uh, in any case and of course these quite earnest women went on about you know page page three girls and how they were all you know artificial and silicon and all this that and the other i don't think they are are they well that was that was the interesting point they said actually have you actually, let's actually open this newspaper and stop treating them as symbols of what we don't like. Let's actually look at the woman who's on page three today. Yes. So they looked and I found a fairly natural looking, attractive woman with fairly big boobs that were obviously not enhanced. Mm-hmm. Um, fairly curvy, certainly not supermodel stick thin. Yeah. Uh, with uh, who wasn't doing a particularly kind of pouty sort of sticking her finger in her mouth sort of pose that <laughs> things like things like Zoo and and other lads mags do, which actually I find far more problematic. Right. And so they said, well, is this or isn't this a better image of a woman than the ones that you are going to see in? pretty much all the magazines that you get off the shelf and I'm not talking about the top shelf magazines no, I'm talking about not, no. you know the 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 particularly the 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 model magazines where these models are pointed out these are what women look like also it seems i think it's a class thing uh because there was a woman who was protesting against page 3 on twitter the other day um probably the other month now and I followed. The, she had a URL, you know. In the, you know, when you in your Twitter status, you have your own URL. And she was running a fashion blog. Oh no! And the fashion blog, um, one of her stories linked to a hat designer, who had women walking up and down the catwalk naked, with just <laughs> hats on. And she was attacking tabloids in that article <laughs> for saying there was anything wrong with this. So yeah, like you say, a class thing. So I think, I think, I think it is a bit of a classing, and that's what made me defend it. I'm saying, okay, you can you can argue about the context of having a naked woman on on the page in a newspaper, and there are arguments you can have about how sexism works and how that can be a conduit for sexism and so on. But to just attack it outright does seem a class thing. And what was particularly interesting is that Neil's wife, Ruth, wrote an article where she sort of attacked it and she used the example. She said, the reason I don't like it, you know, it's sexist, but frankly, we should repudiate it as just naff, like a Greg's pasty. Yes. Uh, And I think that analogy is a little bit classist. Now, if you're prepared to admit that you don't like it because you're a snob, then that's fine. And I suddenly realized that a lot of my distaste for it was because I'm a bit of a snob. Right. Um, And at that point... I realise it was an aesthetic response. It's it's ew. That doesn't really need to be there, does it? This is a newspaper. Newspapers are for serious matters. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't have that there. It's 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 wrong. And so I also said, I think page three is a sufficient. Is a uh, has has about no. It has about an unnecessary condition for sexism, but not sufficient. 
In other words, if you believe that that was the totality of womanhood and what women were and could be, yeah, and you thought that that represented it, then I would agree that it were a problem. However, removing page three doesn't then remove sexism from society, <laughs> and, and I worry that people are focusing on it as a kind of an as an easy shibboleth. Whereas, in fact, maybe they should be focusing on female genital mutilation and things like that yeah, first. Yeah, slightly more serious issues. And then, and then once we've sorted all those things out, then we can discuss what remains uh, of uh, page three in, in the potency. Another thing that I quite like about page three, uh, bizarrely, is something that Camille Paglia, who is, who was an American feminist from some years ago, like, she quite liked the fact of the normal, the fact that it was enmeshed in the normalcy. Right. Of things. Um, and I can see her point when you realize the hysteria that happened the other year when there was the wardrobe, wardrobe malfunction <laughs> in America. Yes. yes, absolutely. Yes. Now, if I had to choose between people bizarrely finding it normal to have a woman showing her boobies in a national newspaper and the utter hysteria that was exemplified by the wardrobe malfunction during the Super Bowl. Um, I think I would have to side in the Hegelian sense with boobies on page three. What, but did you know I, that without without the uh, and of course they do have a as you were saying they do have a silicon free policy. I did not know that. But did, did you know that without the the Janet Jackson's uh, boob display at the Super Bowl, we wouldn't have YouTube. What the guy who created YouTube created it because he couldn't find the clip of Janet Jackson's boob coming out at the Super Bowl. So he thought, really? well, there should be a resort, an online resource for videos like this. <laughs> Thus, YouTube was born. A year later, Google paid him $2 billion. <laughs> Those are very expensive boobies. <laughs> That's an amazing story. Do you know I think you're fun? right. And I think that, I think, I, I am not a great connoisseur of page three. I very rarely have the opportunity to bump into it. But no. when I've seen it, it, it is genuinely, generally young, curvaceous women. It's not stick thin models. It can, I'm sure it can be. Hmm. But the other thing I've noticed is it's not always about big boobs either. They have quite no. small breasted ladies as well. So if anything, it does seem to be providing a much more realistic body image. I mean, they don't have fat women. No. Obviously, but I say because obviously because I say obviously because we live we, we do live in a sexist society and 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 we have a body well, shapeist society. No, no, but yeah, shape is more than sexist in that they don't. You know, even when they have their page seven fella, he's never fat either. I mean, it's sure. clearly. Weird. But then again, I don't particularly mind that because every society has always had its ideal of a body. You know, you go back to the right. ancient Greeks. You know, they had the body of Venus de Mila, but also, but frankly, let's be honest, the the ancient Greeks were mainly. <laughs> mainly yes. keen in showing lovely young men's <laughs> fatless torsos and things and like bottoms. that. So, and yeah, and if bottoms, you go, so. if you just went back 150 years or maybe even less, the women on page three would be far more uh, buxom. Yes, Rubenesque. Um, so, so, so yeah, I think that's interesting. But I'm interested to know why you think nuts is more problematic. I think nuts is more problematic because it genuinely does seem to be more cynical right. in a funny way, and. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying I would ban it, but I'm just saying when I look at Nuts magazine, it shows less respect not only to the women in it, but also to the readers. You know, that's what I was going to say. That's I what, I feel, that's what yeah. I feel really annoyed about when I look at those magazines. I think, you really think so little of me yeah. and those who read this, don't you? And I, I feel sad that anybody would be sated by something like Nuts magazine. That's, I don't that's know the what thing about I mean, it. it it's stultifying and stupefying. Yeah. Um, it says, oh, we expect so little of you as a person. And we yeah. think so little of you as a person that this will do. 
and yeah and the poses are always so un- unimaginative i mean it's a bit and and this is a problem with gaming as well gaming and hardcore pornography are quite similar <laughs> in that you know i i mean seriously in that i think you have to go to the indies to get anything interesting because otherwise it's the same old poses the same old storylines the same old this that and the other but just getting slightly more um you know slightly more lurid every year and that's well, it once again once again you're displaying your ignorance of the of the broad spectrum of gaming but that's certainly the case maybe you're within. showing your ignorance of the broad spectrum of pornography perhaps i am hmm. um yes well certainly we, certainly we are if, yeah if you said if you said pornography was all the same this same that yes you'd be talking no but, it, it, but i'm talking about mainstream yeah yeah, yeah okay so and the mainstream main, yes, gaming so the and mainstream main... pornography is similar yeah, and okay, probably attracts see... a similar sort of. Uh, de- it thinks it's going after the similar sort of demographic and puts off other demographics because of it. Yeah, that seems that seems a reasonable argument. Mm. And one thing I wanted to say, one thing I do have a problem with about page threes mm-hmm. is those little box, those little info boxes that come with them that oh so hilariously pretend to attribute uh, ludicrously complex and intricate opinions to these girls. They couldn't possibly really. No, be I, and and that's that's been the. Um, that's been the uh, argument thus far as uh, from what I've heard. But I actually think that those, you know, little boxes about Schopenhauer and so on yes. are slight uh, are doing something slightly different. And that's mm. what that's certainly how they've described it in that people always said, well, you know, page three is intellectually vacuous and so on. And whereas if you go to the National Gallery and look at, uh, you know, a birth of Venus on the wall, that's bit, that's okay because it has an intellectual context. Yes, now, absolutely. Now, when they write these little boxes about Schopenhauer and that kind of thing, I don't think it's so much saying um, this woman is stupid. I think it's saying none of us, and in a sense that might be more offensive, saying none of us who read this paper, know, none of you will know what the hell this is, but it's kind of almost providing a pseudo justification for this because people have said that it that it needs one i think it's a it is a the news in briefs section as i believe it's called yes this is a very funny name yes is a little bit different to that but of of all the problematic things yes that is but again i don't think it's quite doing what 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 is what it is baldly suggested that it's doing because no sun reader to be honest is going to know what a schopenhauer are I so, think I don't think that's true. I think I do. Now, I think some I think readers are, being, are very thick. I think a lot of them are. I don't think all of them are. They're all thick. No, actually, sometimes you bump into weird people who you wouldn't. Un- yeah, exactly. Who, have you ever had that experience? You said, "Hold on, you read the Sun, or you've you've got a copy of that newspaper, really?" Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, the the copy of that newspaper thing mostly happens to me when I'll see a, a, a Pakistani lady reading the Daily Mail, and I just think. What? How much do you hate yourself to be well, reading this newspaper? Well, again, if I had to choose between page three and the Daily Mail sidebar of shame, uh-huh. I, th- I think page three is far more wholesome than anything that the Daily Mail sidebar of shame. Oh yeah, does. absolutely. I, I don't uh, think there's any question. I, I think you know. I think there are there's, there are a list of problems with page three that do exist. I think, but as you say, they are very low on the list of things that we need to worry about when you compare it to. Uh, the Daily Mail's website being the most popular newspaper website in the world because it has a long strip of uh, down the side in which it goes, oh my goodness, look how fat she is. Ugh. Or no, worse. Didn't you see? Didn't you see the Daily Mail uh, headline about um, Obama's kids? No, I didn't. You no, know, I think fourteen and twelve or something. The headline was, "My, how they've grown." Ugh. <laughs> and 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 as somebody tweeted, um, frankly, uh, if Paul Dacre just stood outside a girl's school in a Mac wanking, it would have been at least more honest. <laughs> 
Um, did you? Uh, someone retweeted. I haven't seen this for years. The old thing from when two thousand one, when the Brass Eye Special aired, mm-hmm. um, the Peter Geddon episode, and, yes. and it was at the Daily Star that ran it exactly next to a story talking about how fourteen-year-old Charlotte Church's breasts were very big. Yes. Yes, they're, 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 I remember how that. How dare Chris Morris say these disgusting comments about paedophiles and then, yeah. Next article. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, they did the same thing with uh, with the uh, with the ginger princesses. Yes, they did. Um, but I've realised that our American listeners won't know what the hell we're talking about, about page three. Cause yes, they do. Not... No, no. They, 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 page three is, is well known in America, this kind of bizarre phenomenon of Britishness. Which I quite I quite like that it's bizarre. I think that's probably why I like it. <laughs> Anything that just doesn't fit properly and is peculiar and has no real justification but still somehow persists, I, I sort of I sort of like because I also think that as long as this country drinks too much and has page three, we're inoculated against the Mullers and the Puritan Christians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could well be true. I wonder. Yeah. Um, one thing that does spring to mind about the you know the the, the commonness to the exposure of, of of a pair of breasts being no, being normal in this country. Why do we still have this problem with women breastfeeding? Because um, I it prob- because it probably isn't common enough, um, and that's my argument's been with the people who are going on about the page three uh, banning it. I said no, you're going the wrong way. I think what you're the fact that breasts are still seen as slightly taboo and slightly magical and symbolic of. Uh, of of mere objecthood of women is the problem. Um, right. Why can a flabby builder, when it's summer and hot, mm-hmm. walk down the street with his shirt off, but a woman could never get away with doing that? Well, let me be clear. I would. I'd, I. I. If you ask me, which I would prefer, banning builders doing that or allowing women to walk around with their boobs out, I would struggle to choose which side I'd fall down on. Hmm. But why? No. But this is a this is a question I asked. Why has feminism allowed it to be the case that men are free to go topless without there being any taboo or weirdness about it, but women aren't. Why has that been allowed to be a thing that we just accept across the whole swathe of society? Tell me. Well, is it Tell not because, me! Is it not because there's no, there's very little sexual arousal when a, a flabby builder does it, but there is sexual arousal? Oh, well, okay, arousal. what about if, if it's a, an, an attractive man with good pecs, then? You're saying okay, that he the gays don't like I that. I agree that he should be banned from showing his his, okay. his good torso in public. So flabby builders and ladies with norks that hang down to their knees should be allowed to should should be allowed to, but pert ladies and <laughs> and and muscly gentlemen should be banned. Yes, that seems a reasonable position to take. Okay. Um, it's, it's it's funny with the breastfeeding thing. What I have noticed I don't, is that people seem to be much more comfortable about not caring anymore. So the coffee shop I go to, um, women are often just openly breastfeeding and not doing this ridiculous dance of trying to cover everything up with four thousand different blankets and things. They just go ask oh, her and just get the boob out. And I think that's great. I think it's great because I get to see a boob, and I think it's great because um, people are just yeah just taking this thing sensibly at last well, it does some seem, it does seem to be I've seen direction. people in the breastfeeding burkas still and that makes the point to me these people who campaign against page 3 are effectively campaigning about keeping the breast taboo yes. and I don't think that that's helpful we need more boobs we need to diffuse our weird relationship with the boob so that a woman who breastfeeds or who decides to go topless is not treated as this weird sort of witch but what uh, happens if that causes our, uh, to, us to be desensitised to the magical joy of seeing a booby? I don't that would think be we... so sad, well, Nick. Well, well, you 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 tell me. How do the continental Europeans allow their women, their women, notice yes. the women they own, the to, women they have, 
to to um to sunbathe on beaches in Spain and so on without their tops on, uh, whether they're old or young, and nobody seems to care. Have you well, noticed it's that? Ex- it's it's an exchange thing. They're forced to grow hairy armpits in order to be allowed to have their t- boobies out. All oh, right. Well, I that's don't... the other thing. Why why hasn't feminism? And I know every now and then there are these rather pathetic attempts, but why why hasn't there been a huge sea change to allow women to have hair? Um, I don't know the men who care. It's gone the other way, actually. It has, and that's because of the. I think that's because of porn. Porn is just there's been a kind of uh, an oh, arms yes. race of of, of denuding. <laughs> It's really quite. Um, everyone has to look like a prepubescent child in porn now, and that's that's a yeah. terrible. Thing. But uh, what I but if you actually look in the in in the seventies, that wasn't the case. You know, ladies yes. had you know a, a lot of a lot of hair going on. I mean, armpit hair I still have a problem with, and that's perfectly cultural. I mean, I agree there's nothing inherent in it, but probably if you if one had been brought up with thinking that that's what women had, nobody would have a problem with it. But it's yeah, just I, and bizarre. I've never had a problem with armpit hair. It's never been something that bothered me. Yeah. But I, I don't see any of that as anything inherent. It's just like, you know, again, right, Marzi, okay, yeah. it's, mar- it's marzipan for me. You're not yeah, going to okay. convince me that I like marzipan. Sorry. Well, no, I think it's slightly different from marzipan. As you say, if you'd grown up with it just being the norm, you probably wouldn't have a problem with it. No, right? but if I'd grown up with marzipan as the norm, maybe I wouldn't have a problem with it. Maybe my parents had loved marzipan and had it all about the house and fed it to me <laughs> as my first food. I would love it. Maybe if your parents smeared their armpits in marzipan, yes, you would be fine with it. I, I probably would be. Whereas... Maybe it's not too late. Maybe you can still ask your parents to smear their armpits in marzipan for you. Well, Darren Brown, as I call him, <laughs> yes, um, in his book, Confessions of a Conjurer, mentioned that he was a very fussy eater, and he thought he had all these rules about what he would or wouldn't eat, and, you know, terrible. And he grew tired of this one day, and he decided to try something, particularly, and, and he tried it with coffee, because um, he thought he hated coffee. So he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try eating something or drinking something that I think I don't like, but I'm going to go into paroxysms of joy while I eat or drink it. So, for example, as I take some of cocoa, I go, mmm, wow, mmm, mmm, <laughs> delicious, mmm, and really, you know, exaggerate the reaction. I think a few of our listeners have just had to pause at that point. Yeah. And he did that, uh, and he did that with coffee, for example. In the first few sips, he, he still didn't like it. But after about the fifth or sixth sip of, of really fooling his body into exaggerating the, oh my goodness, this is so wonderful, and t- telling himself, he said, at that point, he got over his dislike of coffee, and then he actually quite liked it. And he says, that's how he now tells whether he really inherently dislikes a food, or it's just something that he's grown up with and thought he disliked because, you know, it was part of who he was. He will, he'll try the streak, and if at the end of it he still doesn't like the thing, then he knows that's it, he doesn't like it. So that's something you could try with armpit hair. Or the Jews. Or the Jews. Yes, go, mmm, mm, I like their big hooked noses and their money avarice. Mmm. And then see if you see if you still want to gas them all at the end of it. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. It is. Shall we try it? <laughs> yes, let's try that. Try it at church next time you go. See if you can, uh, see if you can convert them <laughs> from, from being Nazis. My, my church is mostly Nazis. That's yes. a big problem. Well, now your church is run by an oil man. My church isn't. I'm not Church of England. Oh, no, he's an oil man. He's used to taking over other organisations into one big corporation. Oh, no. I think you'll have a hostile takeover. <laughs> he's also went to Eton and Cambridge. What a giant surprise. Yes, well... He may be a very lovely man. I have no idea. Oh, well, apparently your Prime Minister will be announcing the next Archbishop soon. 
Isn't that a funny I, system we live in? It's under? very strange. I can't I can't figure out whether people are saying that he's anti gay marriage, others are saying he's just currently towed the line. I really hope he isn't. Well they say he he has explicitly said that he's anti gay marriage uh. but but pro ladies. So, you know. Yeah, he's pro lady bishops, but that's hardly the big that's hardly a big issue for the church at the moment, is it? Well, Are yes, exactly. Bishops or not. I think at the moment they've decided that as long as we like the ladies we can be nasty about the gays because Which the is just well, right. I mean, yes, uh, not having lady not having women in leadership in churches is is, is horrendous, but lady bishops, who gives a flying flip? Because, oh my goodness, that's not a matter that matters when we are currently a church, a, a worldwide church that ex- almost exclusively hates gay people. Yes. Um, that might be a, a, a slightly larger focus for our loving Jesus-like Well, it might be. But, but on the other hand, we don't, love, we don't hate ladies quite so much anymore. Well, there we go. That's a, that's a, we're a big step forward. We're almost 100 years behind the rest of the universe. <laughs> there you go. Oh bloody hell! Um, yeah, so he's not. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't well know we don't know. You don't know. He might turn out to be brilliant. Who's who knows? You'll but see. But here's my thought. Now that he's or what I'd call your thought for the day. His thought for the day. Now that he's archbishop, does that mean that the newspapers will go to Rowan Williams for comments and not that unbelievable, <laughs> vile oh, piece yeah. of human excrement, George Carey? Oh yeah, for this tambourine. I, I, I guess they will, but but the, the the thing is, I think George Kerry's got good relationships with the media, doesn't he? He does good quip, doesn't oh, he? Oh, he does good hate. He he he's there. If you want a if you want a nice right wing vile opinion, you can go straight to him. Well, he was there to inoculate uh, the church against Runcie and that sort, wasn't he? Yes. Oh, no. it just makes me so angry that his power survived his uh, his his tenancy. Didn't he? What, did was he the one who recently came out and said that? Um, being nice to gays is a bit like acquiescing to Nazi Germany's demands or something like that. It wouldn't surprise me if he There was something that. like that. There was Pretty something bizarre. He course. said it, it, it was something weird like that. It was like, say, he equated tolerance to Nazi-like behaviour. Yeah, he's, politi- he's a political correctness gone mad, uh, health and safety, wow, wow. You know, he's just there for every stupid, vile opinion. He'll just have it. and Oh, well. We'll see what this new guy is like. He may be all right. Maybe he'll just want, be prejudicial. I want an archbishop who's so interesting and so good that he comes becomes an apostate. That's what I'm after. Well, that hasn't happened in a while. Mm-hmm. I thought right. a Rowan Williams might be it. I really did. But then no. he just kind of... He is, mumbled, if you he read Rowan Williams away. Right, if you read Rowan Williams' writing, he's a great theologian and a really interesting man, but he got into the position and just kind of went... <laughs> he also turned into a bit of a coward. He did. He, he, he cowered it out, which is a yeah. real shame. And then he decided it wasn't for him. Which, maybe it's good. Maybe he looked back and thought, oh, I haven't been a very good archbishop. Maybe He, he, he did some he did. good stuff and he spoke out against... And he was he was caused trouble and he spoke out against the government. He did, actually did do some good while he was there. Hmm. Um, I, th- he was, I think he's decided he wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't for the job. I wonder whether he's realised that the job isn't really possible. But the stuff that he might want to go in and change, he's realised just how locked down the system is and how yeah. he's not really in control. And Plus, you have the problem with the African churches and so on. Oh, they gosh, yes. They're not going to allow it to happen. Well, so... the, what seems to be happening more and more is that they're breaking away and forming their own... They're breaking away from the Church of England, mm. um, which can only do the Church of England good, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, on that cheery note, shall we yes. say goodbye to all our listeners? Goodbye to uh, to you and to Philip Schofield and to all our listener. Hopefully, next week we can actually record this together again. It would be nice if you get your off your bum and come to Bath. 
do I have to get off my bum to come to Bath? Can't I just remain on my bum and just can, wheel, wheel my chair? You could scooch. You could scooch your way to the car, but getting from the the driveway to the car without your bum lifting off the ground is going to be pretty tricky. You are so disabledist. I know. You need a ramp to your car door. Yep. Okay. And then bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>